Well, hey, good morning. We're glad you're here. Uh, my name is Randy, and I'm the campus pastor here at South Hills, Idaho. And uh, thanks so much uh, for hanging out with us this morning. Well, as you just saw, as Shira said, uh, has been talking about all morning, we are in a series called uh, New Normal. And we're really wrestling in this series with what to do. H- how do we move forward when the normal that we knew no longer exists? Because the truth is, at some point, at some level, most of us have found ourselves kind of wishing or sort of waiting for our lives or life in general to kind of go back to normal, uh, to the way that things used to be. But, but how do we kind of break out of that? How, how do we get unstuck? How do we, how do we move forward? How, how do we embrace all that God has for us, regardless of what's happening really around us? And so at the heart of this series is really two big, really uncomfortable questions. And the first one is this, is what if what, if what we knew as normal no longer exists and things never go back to the way they, they were? Like, pause for a second, feel the weight of that, let that sink in, because that, that's a real question that we should be asking. Like, like, if there's things that we're trying to get back to, what, what, if, things, what if things never actually go back in certain ways to the way they were? And then the second question is this, while there's a lot to dislike about how things are right now, is what we had before even worth trying to get back to, to begin with? What, what if the normal that you knew wasn't all that healthy to begin with? Like, well, what if you don't like where you are now, but also you don't like where you were then? Now, maybe you're in the minority, right? Maybe, maybe all that's happened in the last, you know, 10 10, 11 months hasn't amounted to much more than just minor inconveniences for you. And, and if that's you, first off, we all kind of hate you. Um, I'm just kidding. We don't hate you. But, but seriously, like, that's amazing. Honestly, we're, we're, we celebrate with you like, like you're in the minority because, you know, look around. For a lot of us, a lot of things have changed. People have lost their jobs. People have had to, to move or shift. People are homeschooling that had never dreamed that they would ever be homeschooling, right? There's all kinds of things in our culture and society that have shifted and changed. Uh, uh, But if you're on the other side of that equation, right? Like if life has felt like one big giant struggle and things just sort of feel sort of stuck in one place, we want you to know that that, that you're not alone, that that we see you too. And so this year, what I watched play out in my life, and I experienced this in my own life, and what I watched play out in the lives of so many other people around me is that when we romanticize the past and there's been a lot of that because I mean if we're honest there's a lot of things like when we were in the past when we were actually living it that we didn't like about the past but now that that all changed now we're kind of like oh wasn't it so great so there's been a lot of romanticizing of the past but when we romanticize the past and we catastrophize the future there's been just as much of that, if not more, like, oh my gosh, if so-and-so gets elected or if so-and-so doesn't get elected, if we got to wear this, if we got to do that, like the, the whole thing is the, the world is falling apart. There's been a lot of catastrophizing of the future, but when we romanticize the past and we catastrophize the future, we end up becoming paralyzed right in the place where we are. We were paralyzed in the present. So no matter what things have been like for you, I'm absolutely stoked that you're here to kind of kick off 2021, that that you're here for this series, because I've really, honestly, I mean this, I know, you know, pastors sometimes get up, I don't know if you know this, but sometimes pastors get up and say things that aren't true, uh, but, uh, or we, you know, exaggerate things a little bit, but 
But, but I really honestly believe this. That, I, I really honestly mean this. I have been praying for you and believing that, you know, believing with God and trusting God that this is going to be your greatest year ever. But for that to be true, I also believe that no matter who you are, that there are some things that you and I together need to grab onto right at the beginning of this year that really could change the course of how our lives unfold for us in this next 12 months. And part of the challenge that we all face and part of what makes this time of year difficult especially is whether we're really fully aware of it or not, that life feels very much like a race, right? And it's easy to feel like we're stuck and we're being left behind in the momentum of other people, of, of their life. That everybody else is moving forward and we're just kind of stagnant. And maybe like me, there's this tension in, in for you in the way that, that life has shifted so much this year. And then there's also all the personal stuff, right? So many false starts, so many mistakes, so many frustrations, so many disappointments, so much pain or or grief, or, or loss at certain times of our lives. And, and, and maybe like me, you've had times where you just start to wonder if, if it's even possible to begin again, if it's even possible to move forward, if it's even possible to finish well. And, and maybe for you, the beginning of 2021 feels just, just like that. In January of 2013, uh, a man by the name of Andre Kasanya he died, and you might not know what he is or who he is, but if you're my age uh, or a little bit older, he was, chances are he was a big part of your life as a kid because he was the inventor of the Etch-A-Sketch. Anybody have one of these when they were growing up? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I just bought one of these, the original iPad. Um, I... <laughs> I bought one of these uh, this week. My, our kids got all kinds of great stuff for Christmas. And my five-year-old, this is the thing he won't put down. Like, I'm just like, I don't, I don't understand what's going on here. Like, you actually have actual electronics. Why are two knobs and a little squiggly thing so, so great? But, but I, I don't know about you, but I've never worked so hard when I was a kid at creating a box as I did when I was working with an Etch-A-Sketch. Uh, but the great thing, you know, what was the great thing about the Etch-A-Sketch? The, the great thing was that no matter what you created, right, whether you succeeded in creating that perfectly square spiral design that started on the outside and worked all the way to the middle, or, or whether it was just completely messed up and screwed up like this. By the way, it took me like 10 minutes to get this like this. I was like, man, this takes way more work than I thought. Why can't I just swipe and like make a mess? It was, it was a bummer. But, but the best thing about the Etch-A-Sketch is that no matter what was on here, you could just shake it, right? You could just move it around, and it would start to give you a completely clean slate. That was the best part. You could begin again. If you messed up, you had a reset button. And one of the incredible truths about God from the scriptures is that no matter who you are, no matter what life is thrown at you, no matter what you've created with your life, that God actually offers us the opportunity at a clean slate to start again, to begin fresh. And so I, I wanted to kind of begin this morning, and I didn't get a chance to speak last week because our, our executive pastor, Pastor Moses, was in town, so, so uh, he spoke. But, but I wanted this morning, uh, kind of for me, which is kind of the beginning of 2021 for us as a faith community, it, 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 for us to just have a collective kind of etch-a-sketch moment where we shake some things loose in our lives, where we shake some things loose in our souls, 
where we stop and we reflect and then we look forward to shake loose all the things that have been discouraging us, all the things that have confined us, all the things that are sort of holding us back. And together, this moment, we actually have a collective moment where we have permission to sort of begin again, to start new. Yeah, some of you guys are shaking it up right now. Like, you don't have to actually physically shake, but it's very entertaining if you do. So that, that in all the ways that matters most, in our relationships, in our marriages, with our kids, with our parents, in the interior of our lives, our hearts, our minds, and our souls, that, that we would be able to begin to kind of let some things go, to break out of the things that have been sort of holding us back and begin to move forward. Because really, there's no guarantee that this year is going to be better than last year in a lot of ways, right? Like, in fact, we all experienced things this week where things got a little bit sideways in, in a, a bunch of different ways, right? And so there's no, just because the calendar flips over and then the number at the end of the year changes doesn't mean that that's a guarantee that things are going to be different. But our choices, how we live, who we become is completely and totally up to us. Because here's what I know. This year may or may not be better than last year, but we can be, you can be, I can be. We can live more fully alive. I can live into all that God has for me. I can pursue the dreams in my soul. I, I can be a better leader and a better friend and husband and father. One of my favorite verses is found in a book in the New Testament called, the Philippian, called Philippians, and it was a letter written by the Apostle Paul to the church that, that existed in a, in a city called Philippi. And in Philippians chapter 3, verse 13, um, Paul writes these words. He says, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but the one thing I do, forgetting what's behind and straining towards what's ahead. Now, I think many of us have found ourselves straining for what's behind instead of for what's ahead. We're not leaning into the future. We're being dragged there kicking and screaming. But Paul's in, the, in this scripture, he's going, look, if we're going to actually take hold of the thing that Jesus came and gave his life for, right? If we're gonna take hold of real life, if we're gonna actually experience what God has for us, we're gonna actually have to shake ourselves free from some things and leave them behind. And why would he need to say that? Well, because the process of letting go is always harder than we think it is. There are some things that we need to forget about and let go of that we don't actually want to, but it's the only way that we can move forward. In fact, is it possible that the thing that you're holding on to right now is the thing that's actually keeping you from receiving what God has next for you? That old picture, that old design, old design it's got to go so that God can create something new and beautiful in its place. So I, I want to invite you, I want to challenge you that even, even if it's just for the month of January to, to make God and your faith and being here a priority. I, I don't know if you've ever done something uh, expecting it to go one way, but when you got into it, the opposite happened. Um, when my wife and I were first married, we've been married uh, 25 years, and when we were first married, yeah, somebody's, thank you, woo, uh, we made it, guys, like, I don't, whew, she endured. Um, I know, I don't even look old enough to have been married 25 years. That, we can talk about my secrets uh, later, exfoliation is a part of it, I'm not gonna lie. Uh, but when we were first married 25 years ago, uh, I, I planned her this really big kind of giant party for her birthday. And it was, I'm not going to lie, it was an awesome party. And all of our friends and family came and tons of food and fun. And I absolutely 
loved it because I'm a big extrovert. Like I love people and parties and hanging out, but my wife is a major introvert. Anybody that, that knows her, spent time with her, you know, like she loves quiet and home and alone time. And so, and, and she really hates being the center of attention. And so while I had an amazing time at her birthday party, she, on the other hand, did not, did not love it, like, like at all. And it was a, and you know, from the standpoint of I threw her a party, it was a disaster. And she was miserable. And the worst part is like, we had actually talked ahead of time about throwing a party, about having a party for her birthday. And she asked me not to throw one. And I was just like, that, I, I got it. You really want me to throw you a big one. Like, don't throw you a party. I'm on it. Uh, you know, I can do that. Uh, and I was really young and really stupid. So, uh, but we've been sort of quietly celebrating her birthday ever since, just the two of us. Uh, so I certainly haven't thrown her any more parties. But, but we've all had experiences like that, right, where, where we thought we were doing something that was going to give us a specific result, that was going to give us a specific outcome, but things didn't turn out exactly like we expected. In fact, sometimes it turned out to be the exact opposite. And, and I actually think that that kind of describes what a lot of us experienced even in our faith in the last 12 months, where what we saw this last year is that, is that not everyone who wants their faith to sustain them and carry them through all the trials and, and struggles of life actually experienced that reality. That, that nobody's like, you know what, I really have this faith, but um, I hope that when life gets hard, like it, it doesn't work. Like, no, no, everybody's like, no, what I have, what I'm holding on to, what I believe and what I'm, you know, what I'm building my life on, I, I think it's going to sustain me. And, 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 but not everybody actually experiences that. We, we thought we were doing what we were supposed to be doing. We thought we were building habits to keep us strong spiritually. But when the rhythms and the frameworks and the safety nets that we had sort of anchored ourselves to were, were interrupted or stripped away, like things actually started unraveling for us in our relationships and, and in our faith. And it turns out we weren't as strong as we thought we were. And if you've ever experienced that, when it happens, right, it's, de it's scary, it's destabilizing. And, and what many of us have realized is that the strength of our faith was actually deeply tied to being able to gather together in person on Sundays and have church. And yet there was a window really all across the country in almost every place where that wasn't possible. And that's still happening in faraway places like California. Now, listen, th this is absolutely critical because I, I, I want you to get this. Because there are, there are things that are good and healthy and should be a part of our spiritual journey. And, and I don't want you to misunderstand me at all. Like, I believe making church part of your life is one of the best things that you can do. Like putting down roots in a faith community is one of the, one of the things that you were created for and that you need but if going to church is as deep as our faith gets, we're in trouble. Because if we build our faith on these external things that can be stripped away, we're actually setting ourselves up for an internal collapse, including just going to church. See, community matters. It's critically important. It's the context for all of us to live out our faith. But it often becomes a substitute for actually following Jesus. See, so many times we actually connect to a church and then we outsource the, the care of our soul and the investment of our relationship with God to just being a part of a church. And I'm going to go there and they're going to lead me in songs and I'm going to be able to sing. And that's, wasn't it awesome this morning? That was awesome. It was powerful, beautiful, amazing. 
But what happens when the band's not there in the morning, like to wake you up? What a beautiful name. You're just like, yes, Jesus. Right? When, that ha- when, that, when that's not possible, we're just like, I don't know. I don't even know if he's real. Do you even care? Right? Like, this is critically important, but often it becomes the substitute for actually following Jesus. It was never intended to be the only thing keeping us connected in our relationship to God. It it was never intended to be that. And and whether you thought your faith was strong or you weren't even sure what you really believed, whether whether you, wherever you are on that spectrum, like what's crystal clear is that the faith that you had in the past that got you to this point, whatever that was, it's not going to be the faith that will carry you into the future, into the new thing that God is wanting to do in your life. Now, as you can imagine, God has a lot to say about all of this. In fact, Jesus taught a story that speaks very specifically into this very conversation. It's maybe one of his most famous parables, and so I want to read it to you and kind of unpack a little bit of it together. So so check this out. It's found in Matthew chapter 13, uh, beginning with verse 3, and it says this. It says, Then he told them many things in parables, saying, speaking of Jesus, he's the one talking. He says, A farmer went out to sow a seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell on the path, And the birds came and ate it up. Then some fell in the rocky places where it did not have much soil, and it sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. And the other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and then choked the plants. And still other seed fell on the good soil where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Now, I, I love this. We're going to get to the second half when he kind of explains what's going on in just a second. It's because I, I think part of what Jesus is telling us is that we have unlimited potential and capacity for growth and influence and impact. Because he's like, look, there's something going on on the internal, on the inside of your life, on the inside of your soul. And when the conditions are right, like who you become and what grows and what takes root and what your life produces can be 30 or 60 or 100 times what anybody would ever even believe would be possible for you. We have unlimited potential and capacity for growth and influence and impact. That that when the conditions are right, our life will produce more than we could possibly imagine, regardless of the conditions around us. And, And that whatever is limiting us, whatever is holding us back, whatever's keeping us stuck, that we can actually do something about it that, that if the conditions of our soul aren't perfect if there's something off that we can actually begin to tend to what's going on inside of us and it actually moves us from where we were to a different place where God is actually doing something inside of us he's saying that the things that we think are the things that matter don't actually matter that we spend our time sort of obsessing over things and trying to control them, but the things that most of us spend our time obsessing over and trying to control have very little impact on what our life actually produces, right? Because we're obsessed with what's going on in the government. We're obsessed with what's going on somewhere else. We're obsessed with what's happening over here. We're obsessed with, and Jesus is going, I mean, when it comes to your life, The thing that's happening in here is the thing that matters most. The things that we pay so little attention to, that's actually what's steering the course of our life. 
Now, before we read Jesus' explanation from this story, I, I wonder, which soil that Jesus is talking about, which soil describes your spiritual journey the last year? Which one? What kind of things have taken root in your life? Jesus goes on, verse 18. He says, listen to what the parable of the sower means. It says, when anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on the rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy, but since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes, Because of the word, they quickly fall away. And the seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it out, making it unfruitful. But the seed that falls on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it or embraces it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. So th- there's, if I'm being honest, there's so much here, like, we, we could spend a whole series on this one parable, and actually, at some point, I'm hoping to. Uh, it, but the truth is, is we're all represented somewhere in this story, right? He, he talks about how some of our hearts are like the road or like a path, right? They're, they're worn, they're calloused, they're hardened, they're not receptive to what God is trying to say or do in our lives, and, and, and what I find interesting is that, is that they're not hardened on purpose, right? If, if you look at the, the, the picture that he's painting, right? These are not people who have decided that they want nothing to do with God or they're gonna ignore everything he says, right? They, their, their heart, their soul is hardened from being walked on, right? They're calloused and worn because of traffic and noise and chaos. Jesus describes a footpath, but, but if we're honest, some of our lives look less like a footpath and more like Eagle Road in the middle of traffic, right? Right, like I, we came from Southern California, and uh, and every day I commuted on the 91 freeway, and the 91 freeway is routinely and regularly listed in the worst freeways in the country for traffic, and so I lived 11 miles from my house to the office that I commuted, and it took us, it took me 75 minutes one way uh, to go 11 miles. It was not awesome. And so uh, it moved so slowly. I watched, I believe it or not, I watched Netflix on the way home a lot. I was just like, I'm watching Cobra Kai. This is awesome. This is a great show. I'm not even moving. So I'm just going to binge watch something in traffic. Uh, but the, the truth is, is that that is a good picture of what Jesus is talking about, right? And, and, and what he's saying is this, is that busyness is the enemy of receptivity, right? It it keeps us from being receptive to what God is trying to say to us in our lives. Like when our lives and our minds and our schedules and our relationships are so busy and we're constantly racing from one thing to another, there isn't actually a chance for our mind and our heart to rest long enough so that the seed can actually begin to take root and grow in our lives. I, I wonder how many of us experience that this last year. I wonder how many of us have been walked on and hurt and now our hearts, you know, are are kind of walled off to protect us, but in doing so, we've actually cut ourselves off from the work that God is actually trying to do in our lives. And the good news is this, that, that if that's your heart, that Jesus actually invites you to come to him 
and to actually let him begin to heal the brokenness that you've experienced, the pain. There's this incredible picture where God is speaking in the Old Testament through uh, one of his prophets, the, the, one of the spokespersons, you know, that they spoke on behalf of God to the people of Israel. And in the book of Ezekiel, um, God is speaking to his people and he's, he's going, look, I know things have been rough. I know things are difficult. I know you've been oppressed and you've been carried off. And he's going, but these are the things I'm going to do that I'm going to heal you and I'm going to bring you back and you're going to return to me. And, and, and he says, I'm going to take and cut out your heart of stone. And I'm going to give you a heart of flesh. I'm going to give you a heart that can actually feel again. I'm going to give you a heart that can actually, that actually beats with my love. That's the picture that Jesus is talking about. So you and I can cultivate a softer heart. Like we, we can actually lead ourselves to being more receptive to what God is trying to do. If we just slow down and come to God. If we be quiet and be still and listen and let him speak to you and heal you. And then Jesus talks about the rocky soil. It's not like the path. It's not worn. It's not hardened. It's receptive. There's actually, he describes it as being joyful, right, where the seed actually finds a place to grow. But the problem with the rocky soil is that it's shallow. There's no depth. There's almost no roots and he says when the sun comes out, that, the faith, that our faith is kind of scorched and sort of just withers away. That, that we can't take the heat. When life turns up the heat, it just sort of wilts away. Like what we thought we had, what was growing, what we had once sort of been so happy and so joyful about, kind of just dries up and withers away. He's going, rocky soil talks a good game, and it looks good for a while, but... Jesus said when trouble comes, when things get hard, it just sort of disappears, right? Like, like for example, like we're all, I don't know if you've ever felt this, right? But, but we're all about, you know, Jesus telling us to love our neighbors as long as our neighbors are really awesome, right? But if they look or believe or vote differently than us or they're just really hard to love, then it's kind of like, well, I mean, he didn't mean our actual neighbors, <laughs> He was talking about more people in general, right? We, we raise our hands and we say we trust God and he's our provider, but then COVID hits and we start buying toilet paper by the pallet load and start a side business where we're at a TP dealer, you know, and just like, I got aid, you know, I'll trade you. And this is a hard one, right? The, the rocky soil is, is a hard one because we live in a culture that elevates comfort and stability and safety really above everything else. And so whenever those things are threatened, whenever things get a little tenuous, we, we start to eject. We start looking for a way to kind of bail out, right? When, when things get a little uncomfortable or they start to feel a little bit unstable or things start to look a little bit risky or a little like, ah, they're not unfolding like I thought, we, we immediately start looking for the door. Like, how do I get out? How do I get back to comfort and safety and stability, See, isn't it interesting that none of us would intentionally choose a shallow life, but so many of us end up there at different times because we don't have the roots to actually anchor us to something stable and deep. I've never met a single person that would be like, you know what, I really, I really want to be shallow. Like I, especially spiritually, I just want it to just be like almost like an act. Like no, I've never met anybody like that's their goal. 
But, but yet, a lot of us end up there. See, Jesus is actually telling us that the way that we move to a deeper life is that we actually develop tenacity in our faith. The amazing thing about tenacity is, like, you don't have to buy it. It doesn't take talent or money or gifting. You don't have to qualify for it. You don't need permission. You just choose to stop numbing yourself and distracting yourself. And instead of bailing out, whenever trouble comes, you lean in and you press into God and you dig in deep and you hold on to him. Then Jesus actually shifts and he talks, about, he talks about a soil of faith that's choked out by weeds and thorns. The path is there but, and the faith is there, but it's, it's cluttered by worry. It's distracted by the pursuits of pleasure. It's overwhelmed by the cares of life. And so often our lives are about the next big thing, the next big experience constantly chasing more, always trying to trade up for the bigger and the better and the faster. And so we make choices in our freedom that actually limit who we are and they limit who we become. And and it's not necessarily that these things are are sinful. Like Jesus doesn't say any of that about any of this stuff. It's just simply that they crowd out that thing that is most essential. See, sometimes, you know, the problem is there's this one thing that we can't let go of. Like the problem with giving God our lives is that we're trying to give him something that we don't necessarily have full control over, right? And so we, we sort of picture ourselves when we come to God as like kind of scraping up everything there is in our past and our experiences and our brokenness and failures and our successes and our gifts and abilities and pff, there's the pile of who out there. I give you my life, God. God's like, that's great. And he starts kind of digging around and pushing stuff to the side. And he goes all the way down to the bottom. And he's like, yeah, that's the thing. And oh, I don't, I mean, I don't really want you to have that thing, God. Like, ah, I mean, I gave you the rest. And Jesus is going, the choices that we make actually limit and choke out our freedom. So he's saying, for us to step into the light that God has for us, for us to become who we are, who we were created to be, For us to live a life of purpose and impact and influence, we have to be intentional about clearing away the weeds in our soul. About not allowing things that crowd in and clutter our life and distract us and overwhelm us. Have you ever had a moment where you were overwhelmed in your life and so you out of necessity, started just simplifying everything. And and it was only after you simplified your life that you realized you were the one that complicated your life to begin with. And Jesus is saying we do that in our faith all the time. That things get attached and things come in and so much gets attached to church and spirituality and all that. and, and, And all our pursuits and choices and trading up and stuff that happens, we just distract ourselves, distract ourselves, all the while it's just getting more and more cluttered. He's like, you, you actually have to be intentional about cutting that stuff away. Finally, he talks about the good soil. And Jesus says, these are the people that don't just hear God's voice, 
they embrace his life. And he draws a distinction from just believing, from just hearing and believing to actually moving into understanding and embracing what he is and who he is and the life he created us for. This is the place where our lives are transformed. This is where there's no limit to who we can become and what our life can produce, no matter what life throws our way. This is the kind of soil. And the interesting thing about this story is Jesus doesn't come out and say it, but he seems to be pointing us towards this reality that we're responsible for the kind of soil that's happening, that exists in our soul. In fact, right in the middle of this parable, right in the middle of this story, he says this in Matthew chapter 13, verse 9. I purposely left it out, but we're going to read it now. He says this. After he gives the initial story, he hasn't given the explanation yet, but he says this. Whoever has ears, let them hear. So, see, this is Jesus saying, look, you need to pay attention to this. Don't ignore this. It's way more important than you think it is. You're going to be tempted to sort of skim over this. And for those of us that have kind of grown up in church, and you may have grown up around this story, it's like, oh, yeah, I know this one. I mean, this is a cool, I, like, I know the song. I taught it to my kids when they were like, in, you know, I learned the song in kids' church. And, you know, and, and we have all that. And, and it's, but it's so easy for us to kind of just push past the truth. And he's going, look, no, if you have ears, you need to hear this. You need to pay attention because your soul is the only thing that matters in what your life produces. And you're responsible for the condition of the soil in your soul. And he's going, you're going to be tempted to just kind of ignore this, but don't. Stop and listen. Hear what God is saying to you. Think about it. Take it to heart. Pay attention to the kind of heart and the kind of soul that you're cultivating in your life. See, the issue isn't whether or not God is speaking to you. The issue isn't whether or not he's reaching out to you with his love and inviting you to a life of his grace with purpose and impact and influence. In every single one of the scenarios in Jesus' story, the seed was being sown. That his love and his word and his truth was going out to every single person all time for all in all of human history. The difference is the kind of soil that it finds when it hits our life. The only thing that mattered in every example that he gave was the condition of the soil. It wasn't, it wasn't whether the weather was ideal or the conditions of life were perfect. It was the condition of our hearts. When I was a kid, I always heard this story taught as though each of us were sort of predetermined to be a certain type of soil. Right? Like that's just the way it's going to be and so you just better hope and pray that you have good soil inside of you because otherwise you're screwed. But as I've gotten older and understand the character of God a little better, I've realized that each of us actually have all four kinds of soil within us. Right? That there are things that we cannot do without God. There are things that only God can do. There are things that we cannot do, we cannot save ourselves. We can't make the seeds grow. But there are things that God won't do 
without us. He will not tend the soil in your soul. He will not come in and create the perfect conditions in your life against your will for you to be able to serve him and follow him. There are things that we can't do without God, but there's things that he won't do without us. And Jesus is pointing us to this reality that cultivating the right kind of soil in our lives should be the primary focus of what we're about when it comes to following Jesus. Instead of being locked into one kind of soil, Jesus is actually encouraging us to something more, to kind of root out the rocks and and to cut back the thorns and the weeds, to break up the hardened paths and the ruts, to proactively cultivate a heart and a soul that produces the kind of life that he created us for, that's receptive to what he wants to do, that, that allows the roots to go down deep and anchor to something real, that cuts away all the distractions and doesn't get overwhelmed actually build out good soil in our life i don't know if you've ever um heard of or read the book the five love languages anybody ever read that book it's a good book right uh dr gary chapman it's a relationship book he talks about how uh, we all speak a different kind of love language and so the the five love languages he mentions uh, are physical touch quality time words of affirmation acts of service and gift giving and, um, and my wife is very much a quality time and a physical touch person, and, um, and I am huge on gift giving, and for whatever reason, I'm kind of insecure about that, because it feels like the most shallow of the five. It's like, <laughs> just give me gifts, all right? Just buy me stuff. Um, but I ain't going to lie. It, it matters. Uh, so, um, but, but here's the deal. I, I think we can make the case when you read the scriptures, and you, especially when you read the New Testament, that God's, God's love language is trust. In fact, in John chapter 14, verse 21, he says that those, Jesus says, those who accept my commandments and obey them, those are the ones, those are the ones that love me. See, the, the thing that you and I need most in 2021 is to love God fully. To love him is to listen to him and to follow him to live out his life in our lives. But you cannot fully love God until you fully trust God. See, I I may not know you, I may not know the events of this last year, but I know what God is trying to do in your life. He's trying to get you to trust him more. See, his goal isn't to get you to sit in a gym for an hour on Sunday. His goal isn't to get you to go and read the Bible through this year. His goal, like we can think of a thousand things that are really good. His goal is to get you to trust him. Because if you trust him, you'll move towards a life of generosity. If you trust him, you'll move towards a life of faith. If you trust him, then you'll begin to follow him and obey him. If you trust him, you'll connect to the church that he's building. If you trust him, it changes everything. So which one of the soils best describes you? Which one are you cultivating in your life? This year, what if we just set about to do those four things, to be more receptive, to be more tenacious, to be more intentional, to be more proactive about the soil 
exists in our soul. So that as God is speaking to us and leading us and reaching out to us, that those seeds find really good soil and bury down deep and put down deep roots so that we love him and trust him. And what our life produces is 30, 60, 100 times more than we could ever ask or imagine. And it doesn't matter what happens in Washington, D.C. And it doesn't matter what CDH decides. And it doesn't matter whether it's masks or no masks. Like, I understand all of those things are important. Jesus would look at us and say, this is the thing that should be getting all of your attention. How receptive are you? How tenacious are you? How intentional are you being? How proactive are you being? about your faith that's why we're doing things like the read every day not because you score brownie points with god if you read your bible every day because we want to cultivate the soil in our life and allow god's voice to be the voice that drowns out everything else let's pray together